Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. Remember how we said in our last episode that there are things which seem totally unrelated to sexual sin, but that have to be dealt with if we want genuine freedom? In today's show, we'll keep looking at things which seem totally unrelated, things like self-pity. And then it gets into sexual sin because you're like, well, I'm already down. No one else is feeling bad for me like I am, so... Let me just do something that makes me feel better. And then let me meet this need. And then it's just another spiral of self-pity. And now I just gave in. Or covetousness. When I'm giving into thoughts and fantasies of like, oh, wow, like my friend just got a boat or this or that. And when we're caught up in that, it's just a short step into lust because it's just a different form of all of those things. Or self-righteousness. If I'm excluded from God's righteousness, by establishing my own, then I have no power over my sexual sin. Or living by our feelings. If they're no longer dominating your life, then you actually have the freedom to choose. But if you're living by your feelings, like you're a slave to them. You are a slave to them. I was a slave to them. And I can be if I let them have that place of like lordship in my life. In part two of what does that have to do with my problem, we'll talk with biblical counselors Austin Crop and Trey Best. Thanks for joining us. Okay, so this is the second part to a two-part show that we started last week. And kind of the premise is when we counsel people, sometimes we start to talk with them about issues that they think are totally unrelated. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what does that have to do with my problem? I'm Mm -hmm. here for sexual sin. Mm -hmm. Um, But we want to try to help people realize that there is a very strong connection between our whole life. You know, Mm -hmm. we can't just deal with the one little issue that we want to deal with. We've got to learn to allow the Lord to show us what he thinks about our whole life. Mm -hmm. So... I just have a number of different talking points that, yeah, like Austin, you were saying before we started recording, we talk about these things all the time with people because they're really relevant. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about a guy who's really Mm -hmm. self-righteous. What do you say to him to help him make the connection between that and his sexual sin or what kinds of things do you just talk to him about to help him? Well, I think I'll start... um... (laughs) I think that this has to come down in order for his sexual sin to be defeated. Mostly because a person who is self-righteous is looking to establish his own righteousness outside Mm -hmm. of God's righteousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know this because I've dealt with this. Um, As I was thinking about this, the verse that was coming to mind was the one in Romans 10, Romans 10, 3. And it says... For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, speaking of the Jews, Mm -hmm. they did not submit to God's righteousness. And yeah, so that is just a really good picture of what self-righteousness does. It excludes us from the righteousness Mm -hmm. of God. And I think where my hang-up used to be is, well, I'm righteous because of the blood of Jesus. I'm positionally righteous but forgetting and neglecting about the practical righteousness that is the Lord's, and I can only walk in that as I walk in Christ. So if I'm excluded from God's righteousness by establishing my own, 
then I have no power over my sexual sin. And yeah. So. Okay. Okay. So that's interesting because I think that like when Paul was dealing with those people, they probably would have been saying that this this other substitute is not enough. So then they've got to mm-hmm. follow all the commands of the law. But now you're on the other side of the cross and you're saying, no, I get it. The blood of Jesus is enough. And yet you were saying, I'm trying to establish my own righteousness. So how were you trying to establish your own righteousness? I guess in the way that I believed and about myself and the way that I lived, doing things, even you know, claiming promises, mm-hmm. um, but all in self-effort, all in a way for my self-glory, all for myself, not submitting myself to the Lord in his way. We can have a form of Christianity, I guess, okay. a form of, I believe in the cross, but yet still be in the flesh, in self. Yeah, I mean, I think I can kind of understand because it's like mentally you subscribe to these things like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I get it. It's all about the Lord. It's all about his righteousness. But then when it comes to my daily life, I find that I'm worried way more about my performance. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's like it shows me where my real trust is. Yeah. It's still in myself Mm -hmm. in some way. Yeah. Yeah. I think like our thoughts of what self-righteous is, is someone that's like spiritually arrogant or somebody that's just like holier than thou kind of guy. Mm -hmm. But just like Austin said, it's like a righteousness that's outside of Jesus. It's a Mm -hmm. righteousness that's developed in self. And I felt like I was like (laughs) the poster child for this, but I wouldn't have said that. And even outwardly, I didn't look like this major rule keeper, but in my heart and how I related to the Lord, it was all about rules. Mm -hmm. And that just brought me into a tailspin of condemnation, Mm -hmm. especially when I would fall or see my faults. I would just be in this, yeah, this place of trying to find something to atone for what I did. And instead of just like receiving God's mercy for free and be like, okay, Jesus did this and I'm going to come by the blood and in simplicity of what he's done and in faith. And then like, I'm thinking about you, Austin, because I know parts of your story, right? So, like, you have to put up this facade mm-hmm. because you have to say to other people, I'm I'm really living this life, but then you've got this whole other life that you just, like, you got to keep under wraps mm-hmm. in yeah. some way. Yep. In a practical way, like, when it really comes down to it in my daily life, there's no no practical outworking of that mm-hmm. righteousness. Mm, mm-hmm. Like even though I subscribe, like you said, even though I acknowledge these things to be true, what is my life saying? Mm. And that's really where that self-righteousness undercuts the power of God in a man who's bound in sexual sin because that life, that power isn't mm. flowing in him. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to say that person that's, walking in self-righteousness. And I say that person, but I'm talking about myself. Like when I was walking in a lot of self-righteousness, I was trying to find something to justify myself by. Hmm. Uh, But then just like Austin was saying, well, then I'm walking in my own strength and not really what Jesus has done. And one of the things the Lord helped me to see, Galatians 5.4 talks about those that are trying to be justified by the law are actually severing themselves from Jesus because their hope's no longer in who Jesus is. So now they're, 
cut off, you know, the connection with the Lord. And so they're just left to their own resources to keep trying to meet the need for themselves. And we just know, like, that's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. um, yeah, it's just a really vicious cycle because you're just trying to reach, reach, reach more into yourself to see what you can do. And you're completely putting up a form of godliness, but there's really no power. But the other side is like the Lord wants to meet that need. He wants to cover us and have relationship Mm -hmm. because then when you're in self-righteousness, it's like you're trying to do something to bridge the gap between you and your relationship with the Lord. And I was like, "You, you didn't start that way. So you can't continue that way. Like it has to be Jesus. What things do you look for in a counselee where you can say, okay, wow, this guy is like really self-righteous? Usually in the way that he views others. I think it usually comes out in judgment towards others. Like his view of how others are doing, whether they're in their relationships with others, whether they think, oh, like this person is in pride or making like spiritual judgments about others that are really not in the spirit of Jesus. Mm. Um, Yeah, that's certainly how I was. I mean, I, yeah, everybody came under my scrutiny and I was stacked up against everyone else. Obviously there was a, yeah, there's just a list of this person is here and I want to get there but then there's a whole bunch of people under me mm-hmm. and right. they don't stack up. So that's generally what I see in other guys as well is that judgment towards others. Wow. I usually actually see something different. Okay. Uh, what stands out for me, and this is, I guess, probably my own testimony, was how much weight they put on themselves to perform. Mm-hmm. Like their homework might have these declarations of all the things that they will do or they're going into counseling and even reading the word, like, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need mm-hmm. to do? Mm-hmm. And it's all just putting the weight on them to perform. But the way out is really just coming in faith in what the Lord's done. When struggling with sexual sin, we can actually raise up our sexual sin as like a worse sin than our self-righteousness. But like Jesus, actually, I was thinking about this before we started, he confronted people in self-righteousness significantly harder than people who were in sexual sin. Mm. Like the way he responded to the Pharisees versus like how he responded to the woman caught in adultery. So I was just thinking like in coming out of self-righteousness and repenting of that and having fellowship with the Lord, it's just coming and admitting where you're really Mm. at. I think Jesus is much more pleased with me coming as a sinner that's struggling and transparent versus trying to keep like <laughs> shoving my sin down and uh, trying to project yeah. something that's not really there. Mm-hmm. So it's just the enemy's way of just getting this warped view of religion and performance and just completely missing out on having a life with the Lord, which is what Jesus actually came to do was to tear down the self-righteousness and bring in a better way. Both of what you guys said is so good because that self-righteousness is really, really deeply entrenched in our human nature. Mm -hmm. And what's the goal? Am I trying to get free of sexual sin or trying to walk with the Lord? Because if I'm trying to walk with the Lord, then he is going to start talking to me about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. not just this one issue that I really want him to talk about. Okay, so what about a guy who is full of self-pity? Why is that so deeply connected with sexual sin, and why do we have to deal with it? 
Well, I can for sure really relate with this because self-pity has been a huge struggle for me. Mm. Um, and I've, I've had to deal with significant amounts of it even after the program. It's just, it's a battle that I think a lot of people have to face with, especially people who are more melancholy by nature and (laughs) (laughs) tend to take life seriously. And so this can be a real snare. Um, A lot of guys that I counsel battle with this at some Mm -hmm. level. I mean, this goes along with self-righteousness really like hand in hand Yeah, because it's kind of like, (laughs) I mean, yeah, just for an example, like in my counseling notes, Almost always when I have a guy who's struggling with Mm self-righteousness, I have right underneath it Mm self-pity because when the self-righteous standard is unmet, that's the alternative. That's Mm -hmm. where you go immediately. It's like, oh, wow. Like, what's going wrong? Like, Lord, why aren't you answering my prayers? Mm -hmm. You know, life just falls apart. And I think the connection that I make with this is that... (laughs) It's a shortcut. It short circuits what God is trying to do. Mm. God wants to meet us in our need. God Mm. wants to meet broken people. Mm -hmm. He wants to meet people who are downtrodden. Mm -hmm. But when we give in to self-pity, we're trying to do that for ourselves. Mm. And we're not letting the Lord do what he wants to do, which is come in in our weakness and our failure Mm. and bring life, bring refreshment, bring revival. And the other thing is it's a poison to faith. It's a real poison to faith because it blocks, it clouds your eye to see the Lord when Mm -hmm. you're just looking at self and Mm. just raking yourself over a failure. You're looking away from your source of life at that point. Mm. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that was I just confirm what Austin said. (laughs) No, I was thinking like, what is self-pity and trying to flush it out because mm. sometimes it's like that was hard for me to think am I showing myself pity yeah what is yeah this like what word? is it yeah for me I, I'm just gonna express it how I it usually comes but like like the woe is me kind of mentality the like Austin already said life's not fair or I deserve better exaggerating the circumstances to think that there's no hope in it and all that um what I've seen when the temptation of self-pity comes, mm-hmm. it's usually after a fall or it's in the midst of a temptation or when I see a heart issue that I'm like, that's wrong. And then the enemy comes in with the temptation of look at yourself, mm-hmm. but the opportunity that God's offering is look at me. Mm-hmm. So the enemy tells like a half truth of like, yeah, you can't do this. And then you're just like, I can't do this. You're right. right. And then, wow, there's no hope. And then it's just a spiral And then it gets into sexual sin because you're like, well, I'm already down. No one else is feeling bad for me like I am. So let me just do something that makes me feel better. And then let me meet this need. And then it's just another spiral of self-pity. And now I just gave in. Woe is me again. And Mm -hmm. like, I deserve better. God should be freeing me. And it's just more of a spiral. But in those moments, what God is desiring is to give an opportunity to come to the cross, to come in faith. Because there is a point, it's like, yeah, the enemy's right. I can't do this. But the Lord doesn't tell us, like, look in yourself to be stronger or better. He's like, look at me. Mm-hmm. And so when you fall or you're tempted or you're seeing a heart issue, our response instead needs to be, I need to go to the Lord. I need mm-hmm. to spend time in prayer with this. I need to find what his word says and how he can help me. But 
I've seen like the vicious cycle, the self-pity is it really just gets you in a place where you don't want to fight. They might say they want to fight, but really like they don't want to fight. And then they're feeding their flesh and the emotions that they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And you just, I don't know, you almost just have to like get out of it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if there's necessarily like a smooth way of getting out of it or becoming less and less. It's just, I have to acknowledge like I'm in self-pity. I repent. I need to go fight. Right. I need to get back in faith. Right. Like Jesus is my righteousness. Yeah, yeah. He can meet my need. Something that you said um, going down the list, what is self-pity? Something that I thought about that I hear pretty often from guys is I've tried that before. Mm. Um, I've, mm. you know, I've prayed, I've done this, I've tried it before. And that's kind of like the excuse. And just like what uh, Trey was saying, it's like, the only way out of that is just to turn, just to turn. Mm. And sometimes um, I like how Pastor Ed gives it such a good like picture. You have to like take yourself by the scruff of your neck and like turn yourself. And, you know, that's what our will is for. Mm. God has given us the power to choose. And I can choose to be thankful. I can choose to trust the Lord. I can choose to put my faith in him. Mm. And yeah, that's, Literally the only way that I've found to get out of self-pity is I just have to choose it. Mm-hmm. And I have found victory in that path. Every yeah. single time that I choose to go against my flesh, go against what my feelings are telling me, and I trust the word, he's never let me down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, if someone is interested in getting a whole show about self-pity, episode 394 is called Breaking Free from the Trap of Self-Pity, and it's Pastor Ed, I think, talking about self-pity. It's a really, really good show, so we'll move on from, from that one. Okay, here's one I was thinking about. If a guy doesn't control his tongue, you know, he's going to be like the first one who's going to lash out in criticism, or he's going to gossip, or he's really sarcastic, or he's just loud and boisterous, you know. And maybe as a counselor, you start talking to him about like exercising self-control. Why does this matter? Mm. Why does it matter? Well, either one of you guys. Yeah. The way I see it, it's similar to how we kind of talked about self-righteousness to some degree. Like, is my sexual sin a greater sin than like my mouth? And even Jesus said, like out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what that shows me about the guy is like, he is okay with making provisions for his flesh. Mm-hmm. Like he's okay with not honoring the Lord with his mouth. So usually behind that is, well, if I can make provisions in this way, I can make provisions in this other way. And so he's kind of set up his own standard of what's righteous. And usually he's following a false version of Christianity because like if the Bible is laying out the standard, then mm-hmm. he should be being convicted over his sarcasm and stuff like that. But also, just kind of exposing the heart of it, there can be a form of, well, it's definitely a form of pride behind it, but it can be like a way of self-exalting, you know, Mm. like I'm going to be sarcastic to kind of push somebody else down Mm -hmm. and lift myself up. And you see that with guys struggling with sexual sin usually because they're already so condemned. I guess I shouldn't do like condemned. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, they're feeling condemned. So then they're thinking, well, I need to do something to lift myself up. Well, let me look down on somebody else. Let me tear somebody else to shreds. Let me gossip behind their back. Let me be critical. And Mm -hmm. really it's just a form of like puffing themselves up so they feel better. 
but the reality of their spiritual condition is still like they're a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. they need help. Mm-hmm. So it, it, yeah, it just kind of feeds in a lot with the sexual sin side of stuff. Yeah, it brings life to that whole structure of self that really mm-hmm. supports sexual sin because sexual sin has to have a life source in order to survive. And a self-life is where it grows. And uh, an uncontrolled tongue is that, um, mm-hmm. is a huge one of the first fruits of that. I know I've seen that in myself. Yeah, just like you were saying, the self-life that is growing and living out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth is speaking. So that that self-life is expressing itself. And if my heart is thinking those things, those evil things, and treasuring those evil things, lust is only a short step away. Mm. Um, yeah. Because Jesus said in the Gospels somewhere that evil thoughts come out of the heart, and he listed some of those evil thoughts, and lust was one of them. Judgment, criticism, mm. pride. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's all like right in there in the same thing. But I think sometimes the disconnect can be, well, I'm not lusting. Mm-hmm. I'm not in sexual fantasy, but you're feeding the very thing that's giving life to your lust and your fantasy. Mm-hmm. You're not feeding the spiritual man. Yeah, it's definitely at the heart of it, wanting to look at somebody else's speck in their eye mm-hmm. versus a log in my own. And it's just almost like can be a form of trying to distract yourself from the real issues. But just like Austin said, it's like someone might think, well, how is that connected to my sexual sin? Well, yeah, what the enemy is doing is putting a thought in front of them, entertain it, feed off of it, feed this thought. Mm-hmm. And so they start feeding off it. They start, you know, cutting somebody up in their mind and they're feeding on that in their flesh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if the enemy already has you in that mentality, then he just puts a different thought, like a lustful thought. And, mm-hmm. then, you know, the enemy's just saying, now feed this. Mm-hmm. And you're already doing that. You haven't had discipline in your thoughts. You haven't had discipline in your heart. So you just start feeding the lust. And mm-hmm. then before you know it, you're like, oh, let me act on this. Because mm-hmm. same thing like with the criticism and all that. It might start off just in my thoughts and my heart, but then it will manifest mm-hmm. in my gossip with others behind other people's back and same thing with the lust it starts with a thought but as i've entertained it entertaining is not enough and then now i want the actual act of sin and so the enemy is just it's like setting you up it just has a different fruit i guess but it's the same heart condition all this stuff is so good because i think we don't understand the nature of things in ourselves Mm -hmm. so to us it doesn't seem to have any connection, but that's just because we don't understand how things work. Yeah. You know, like if a, I've used this illustration before preaching where we go to a doctor and he's like diagnosing mm-hmm. us. And so he says, you need to take this medication. And none of us ever say, well, I demand to know exactly how this medication works. <laughs> we don't really care. We just take it. You know, we don't have to understand. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with, with this, that we don't have to exactly get all the connections between lust and pride and selfishness and self-righteousness. We just have to take the Lord at his word mm-hmm. that when he says, 
that you've got to take your cross daily and follow me, otherwise you won't live. Yeah. Um, we have to believe him. Mm-hmm. And that means that we don't get to choose which sins we want to put to death. Yeah. We've got to do it with all of them. Yeah. So it's just following him. And I think one thing at the heart of it for the guy who's struggling with this is they usually don't see the Lord rightly. They usually think the Lord is kind of doing the same thing that he's doing to other people, like cutting them up, sarcasm, um, Mm. criticism, all that, and not seeing the Lord's heart as merciful. Mm -hmm. And the Lord wants to meet them in that. So they protect themselves because they don't want to be seen for what they really are, not knowing that the Lord already sees them and wants to meet their need. But when when the Lord starts to break down and they start repenting of that false image of God Mm -hmm. they've created, and they start seeing the Lord, as you said, like, from the word biblically and start seeing his heart of compassion that he wants to meet them in their mess, then their response to other people when they see their mess is going to have that same heart of mercy. Yeah. So that's really, that's what helped me out because I mean, I wasn't outwardly critical to people, but I would judge things and things like that. But then I saw the Lord's heart correctly. And then I thought, how can I cut my brother up? when the Lord's not doing that to me. <laughs> like, yeah. And it just, it helped me in getting out of the striving aspect of, okay, I need to just shut down my thoughts and my heart mm-hmm. to let me see the Lord rightly. And when I see him rightly, like from a sincere heart, I'm loving people and giving. And I don't even want to cut people up because I see their need. And the same way the Lord meets my need, like I want to meet their need. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about a guy who is really covetous and he's just constantly thinking about getting things for himself. I guess which could be like a lot of different things. I guess it could be possessions or it could be position or it could be, let's see, we need more P words, prestige. (laughs) (laughs) Power. It's just things for power. Yeah, it's just things Uh for self, right? So why is that so closely connected with sexual sin? Because it's in the same flow of it. Um, It's very close. It's almost identical. Because sexual sin is taking something that the Lord hasn't given you permission for. It's Mm. not for you. So when someone is in sexual sin, they're taking. They're taking what is not theirs. They're they're wanting what Mm -hmm. is not mine. And so... Yeah, when I'm already given over into a life of that, when I'm giving into thoughts and fantasies of like, oh, wow, like my friend just got a boat or this or that. And I don't know, whatever it is for all of us. For me, it's more like computers and cameras, (laughs) whatever. I want a boat. (laughs) (laughs) But um, when when we're caught up in that, Uh it's it's just a short step into lust because it's just a different form of all of those things. Yeah, it's really challenging for me just in my own life because, I, I mean, I hope people understand this, like, just because you're pure life doesn't mean no longer tempted, no longer having any desires <laughs> for sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's we're still living in this fallen world mm-hmm. and we still have a fallen flesh yeah. and our flesh still wants those mm-hmm. things. And so I think it's a challenge for me daily 
of what kind of flow am I in? Mm -hmm. Because even in ministry, like if ministry is really a platform Mm -hmm. for me to get people's praise Mm -hmm. and attention and stuff, then Mm -hmm. I'm still in this like inward kind of flow. And sexual sin just says, oh, okay, yeah, like I can get with that. You know, Mm -hmm. it's still all about me. And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just a constant challenge to be giving rather than (laughs) taking. Yeah, that's me. That was me. Ministry was my idol, but it was not with the intention of wanting to see people's need really be met. Mm -hmm. There might have been some degree, but it was so mixed in with getting me looking good. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And like you said, once we go to Pure Life, they don't give us like a secret pill that kills all our flesh. (laughs) It's like, oh, guys, don't worry. Once you're in the program, we got you taken care of. Not at all. But it is like dealing with the... um, the why and motivations of our heart and what mentality am I in? Because that's what I saw, you know, after the program, the actual sexual sin side of things wasn't really hard to deal with. Uh, The Lord has given me a lot of victory in that. I mean, really complete victory. But I still saw I have a lot of lust in my Mm -hmm. heart. It was just towards different things. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, it's like, okay, we chopped off the fruit, but then like over here, it's like another fruit's growing you know, out of the same vein, mm-hmm. but I was in that same mentality and I didn't even connect it with my sexual sin, like before pure life, you know, mm-hmm. every time I got paid, it was like, okay, let's go to the, let's go to the mall or go somewhere and like buy clothes, buy shoes, you know, all that. And not seeing that that's actually like the same exact mentality that I was in with my sin. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about how, how to fight against that, mm. um, and what the opposite of it is mm-hmm. and how to get out of it. Because <laughs> for me, I mean, I really re- relate with you, Nate, in that, I mean, that can easily happen for me as a counselor, as someone who other people are looking to mm-hmm. for help that are dependent on me is to begin to take that for for myself. And yeah, I just need to be constantly dealt with by the Lord. Yep. Um, mm-hmm and humbled (laughs) repeatedly. But the times that I'm the most free of that is when I'm just forgetful about myself Mm -hmm. and I'm just looking to meet other people's needs. Yeah. And I I love it. My flesh really hates it. (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) I love it when it's like I have no time for myself. Yeah. It's really cool when you come to the end of a day and you're like, wow, I just really haven't had time to think about myself much. Mm. But the other side of it that I was thinking about was contentment. Mm. Like, yeah. because lust, you know, and coveting, covet, coveting? Coveting? Yeah, yeah, coveting. Cavooting. Cavooting. Coveting. It's just all like me, self, taking. Yeah. We already yeah. kind of said that. Yeah. But the opposite is is gratitude and giving. And so I've noticed like when I'm in a flow of gratitude, especially for like the small things, things that I think are that are minor, I just see it just gets me out of this wanting mentality. And then I have less, but I feel like I have more mm-hmm. because I'm just so thankful for all that the Lord's giving me. And you have to just break out of the feelings because yeah. lust is rarely feelings oriented mm-hmm. and coveting is very feelings oriented. But when I just like thrust myself into gratitude and just intentionally do it, like I'm going to do a gratitude of 10 things every morning and I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it anyway. You really see your feelings start to line up with your actions and your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about 
the fear of man. This one's actually kind of more challenging, I think, to bring a connection because the other ones kind of seem to make sense. But the fear of man, if someone is so concerned about what other people think, why is that connected? The person who's in a lot of fear of man is in a flow of people pleasing. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, really at the heart of it, is they're in the flow of being liked by people. And so everything they want to do is to have affirmation and recognition and positive thinking towards themselves. Mm -hmm. The issue, though, is they're willing to do whatever it takes to not be confrontational to the world and to themselves. So they're just like living in this place where they're trying to please everybody. Mm -hmm. But the world and everybody naturally is going to like just bring them into sexual sin to some degree. They're willing to compromise to get affirmation from people instead of being willing to do the hard thing and obey the Lord and look ridiculous for it. Um, and really, fear of man is just like quenching any fear of the Lord. Yep. And if you don't have fear of the Lord, I mean, you're not going to walk in freedom over sexual right. sin. Yep. At the center of this is a huge idol of self. Mm. And like we say here, at the core of sexual sin is self and pride. Selfishness and pride is what sexual sin lives in. Every single man who struggles with sexual sin has these issues. Mm -hmm. And so at the core of fear of man is just huge idol of self. I have to please everybody. Mm. I have to be a certain way around everybody. I'm protecting myself. When that self-preservation, that inward flow where I'm taking, trying to stay right in myself then <laughs> it's like it's just very easy. We're just like, I think a lot of what we're saying is in all of this, these sins, these issues all create an atmosphere in our hearts that is very conducive to sexual sin. And it is just tied in with the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't get away. You can't part and parcel it very right. well. It's just when I'm not connected to the Lord and when I'm not having the mind of Christ and exercising that mind, I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the thing that you said, Trey, that I thought was really interesting was that if you're spending a lot of time trying to figure out how can I navigate everything in the most conciliatory way to people, like I want to take the easiest path mm -hmm. possible in every situation so yeah. that people like me, you never develop the strength of character to push against things that are difficult yeah. and things that you want, yeah. you know? So then when sexual sin comes knocking, you just, you don't have any strength to say, nope, I'm not gonna, even though that's gonna feel good and even though mm -hmm. I'm gonna get pleasure by it, I am not gonna give in because your whole character has been shaped by, I'm gonna take the easiest path through mm -hmm. things. Yeah. So yeah, just, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, if I spend my whole life eating potato chips and laying on the couch and then I go to the gym and I have to, in this moment, I have to bench press 200 pounds, otherwise something bad's going to happen, you literally don't have the strength. Yeah. Yeah. So That's you right. can't yeah. do it. And it manifests itself by not willing to do whatever it takes to have freedom. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, like you need to cut off internet out of your phone. 
But, you know, someone's going to ask you, hey, can you look this up? And you're out of your fear of man. You're like, I don't want to be in that position. Yeah, that's Or good. you're like, oh, you can't have like YouTube or this this app on your phone. And you don't want to tell somebody yep. like, oh, I, I actually don't have that or I can't. Mm-hmm. Because you're wanting them to look at you in a positive light. You don't want them to see you as weak or, or mm-hmm. anything. But what the Lord helped me in getting out of this was just this prayer of like, repenting really it was the wording was like renouncing my allegiance to self and like in a sense like pledging my allegiance to the lord at all cost even if it costs me something mm-hmm. and that's really helped like i'm gonna obey the lord mm-hmm. and it's gonna cut self it's gonna go against self but the fruit of that is life and peace it's mm-hmm. righteousness but living in the fear of man like proverbs says it's a snare Mm-hmm. But I, I had this quote from uh, Oswald Chambers. Quote, ready? Okay. <laughs> well, he just says, The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Hmm. So, like, the fear of the Lord will just dissipate all mm-hmm. fear of man. Mm-hmm. You guys are a blessing, by the way. This is just so cool because... I don't know, Austin, you've been here for... Five years. Five years. On the 31st. Okay. Trey, you've been here for... Two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) He's still in the program. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's... I came in the program like a little over three years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's just awesome because I'm listening to you guys and there's just a lot of wisdom, you know, that's come from you being willing to... Number one, allow the Lord to deal with your own hearts. You, like this, this didn't come from a textbook. You know, this was like allowing the Lord to deal with you, and just searching Him in your own desperation. And I know you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're still learning these lessons. Mm-hmm. But it just, to me, I hope people are realizing that they can also learn these lessons and come yeah. to see this stuff for themselves as they let the Lord deal with them and start facing these other issues in their life. Um, Okay, one last one. Guy who is really undisciplined in other areas of life. And I think that this one is, you know, it seems pretty obvious on the surface, like, oh, okay, well, obviously, if he's not disciplined, then he's also going to have a lack of self-control with sexual sin. But... It does seem like when you talk to somebody who is actually this way, mm-hmm. like there's a resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Wait a second. I just I just like to sleep. I need more sleep than other people do or whatever. And you're, <laughs> it's like a resistance or yeah, but I just, it's just eating. I don't know. It seems like when you're in it, you can't really make the connection as quickly. Yeah. It's often... I find a form of self-righteousness. Really? Because they, a guy like this will defend himself. Like you were saying, they resist it. Like most of the time having a, an excuse for it. Mm. And it's a form of, I'm right. You know, I don't need to change that sort of thing. Like I have a good excuse of this or that. Um, but behind that is I'm hanging on to this thing. Mm. And I'm righteous in it. I'm right. Mm. I'm right to stay this way. Mm. And nobody can tell me that I'm not right. It's that resistance. And that's a very difficult one to come out of. 
I know kind of what you're saying. Before I came to Pure Life, I worked at a juvenile residential home mm -hmm. for kids who had been sexually abused. And I just noticed that there were <clears throat> a lot of different labels that were given to the kids to explain why they did what yeah. they did. Mm -hmm. So the kid who would fly into a rage when you told him to do something, he was considered oppositional defiant disorder, hmm. which essentially is just rebellion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's a disorder, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that means like, well, this is what he's like. Yeah. I, wow. I mean, mm -hmm. God yeah. just roundly condemns rebellion, mm -hmm. but now we've given this kid a label that explains to him why I am the way I am, why I hate when people tell me what to do. Oh, I have a disorder instead of just I'm a rebel. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like that worldly mentality of you're stuck the way you are. Yeah. And then like I'm so immersed in that that I'm going to embrace it and protect it because it justifies me. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like we're all going to have to stand before the Lord in eternity and none of those things are going to justify us. Yeah. Like he's not going to say, oh, well, you were this way. So that's, you know, yeah, yeah. You, there is no hope. I No, the gospel is that a person that was dead can be alive. A person that was in darkness can walk in light. Mm -hmm. So there's hope in that. Yep. And that's what I love about, you know, our counseling is that you can you when you call things a sin, like Jesus made a way to deliver man from sin. Mm -hmm. So there's hope in that. Like I don't actually have to stay in that way. And the fruit that's coming out of this doesn't actually have to stay. Like there mm -hmm. actually can be transformation. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking like, because I, again, poster child, that's why you saw me up for this. <laughs> but I, seriously, I was like the poster child for undisciplined. Like I wanted to be healthy. This is, I'll just use an example. I wanted to be healthy, but I had no discipline in my eating. So I would just work out a lot more. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had no discipline to like stop eating. I might do it for like a day and a half, you know, <laughs> like, oh, I only ate green beans and, and chicken today, but right. then, you but know, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, Max and, yeah, yeah, Chips Ahoy cookies and milk, like I'm, <laughs> I'm throwing it down. <laughs> but <laughs> it was really at the heart of it was a very feelings-oriented way of living. Mm. Like, that's what it was for me. And that's just kind of how our culture and the world pushes things. It's just live by your feelings. Let everything be subjected to that Yeah. Um, versus obedience-oriented mm -hmm. and commandment-oriented. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And that's how it ties into sexual sin because it's like, okay, my feelings tell me eat this. My feelings tell me, you know, entertain this stuff. My feelings tell me I want to watch Netflix for like eight hours a day or play Minecraft for eight hours a day. And it's like, it's all your feelings. And yeah. if those feelings like were shut down, I guess I don't want to say that they're shut down, but if they're no longer dominating your life, yeah. then you actually have the freedom to choose. But if you're living by your feelings, like you're a slave to them. Yep. You are a slave to them. I was a slave to them. And mm -hmm. I can be if I let them have that place of like mm -hmm. lordship in my life. But having to repent of that and, and then coming into, okay, I'm going to live a command-oriented life, not a feelings-oriented life. And just almost like what we said earlier, like I'm going to thrust myself in obedience versus just living after mm -hmm. each inkling of feelings that are there. Cause mm -hmm. they're just, they're just such a bad measuring stick. Like mm -hmm. they're nice when they're there in yeah. a positive way, but feelings led me into self-condemnation all the time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'd wake up and you know, had a good quiet time, felt great. Then my mind went to lust and now I'm in self-condemnation and my feelings are down. Mm -hmm. And 
like feelings were just so counter to faith. Mm-hmm. Like they just built, like Austin was saying, they're just so interconnected, like the self-righteousness. Yeah, but it's so awesome that, like we were saying earlier um, with the self-pity, is that there's a way of escape in it. Mm-hmm. Um, we can really break free out of that when we choose to obey. I think for a lot of guys that I counsel, I sound like I counsel a lot of guys, whatever, for the <laughs> guys do. that I counsel, <laughs> um, it usually is a huge breaking point for them or a huge breakthrough for them when they realize, oh, I'm not a slave to my feelings. Mm-hmm. I can obey. Mm. I can just actually choose to obey. Mm. Yeah. And obviously that's not where it ends. <laughs> mm-hmm. The feelings will follow, um, but they can break free from that feeling-oriented way of life that's leading them in this uncontrolled way of undisciplined life. Like this, yeah. this can be broken free of. Yeah. That's usually a huge thing. And to see them finally like grab a hold of the promises of God in that, man, that's so awesome. I was thinking about my own testimony of the Lord taking me out of like living by my feelings and living by faith. And probably for like six months out of my program, there was probably like zero feelings. Uh, I would go into the worship services and there was no feelings behind my worship. But I was like, I have to do this by faith. You know, and Psalm 22 talks about those who seek the Lord will praise him. So I'm like, okay, Lord, if I'm saying I'm going to seek you, I'm going to praise you. Hmm. And there's going to be no feelings. But then I realized like the Lord was taking me through that. So I wouldn't go back to my feelings as my measuring stick for where I was at with him. Hmm. And then I was seeing though, there's no feelings, but the fruit of my life is actually different. Hmm. Like there's actually righteousness coming out. Like I can actually meet and be nice and serve people and my feelings don't have to be behind it. And that's okay. You know, I can actually be free from my feelings having this tyranny over my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. But when I'm counseling somebody with this, I always go back to Galatians 6, you know, you'll reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. So if you're sowing to the flesh, like the crop you're going to get is the flesh. But if I sow to the spirit, I'll reap of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So what helped me is just kind of laying out like, what is sowing to the spirit look like for me? Mm-hmm. My quiet times, my getting into the needs of others, just really obedience to the word. Yeah. But when I'm doing that by faith, almost like, yeah, you have to like renounce your allegiance to your feelings too. Yeah, like right. I just have to repent of that. Yep. But then now in faith, I'm going to obey. And then seeing like as I'm sowing to the spirit, more fruit of the spirit's going to come up. Mm-hmm. One of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. <laughs> and that's like, just conquers that undisciplined life. Mm -hmm. When I was in the program, no longer living by my feelings, I was actually able to like eat healthier and it didn't like bother me so much Mm -hmm. because now feelings weren't the driving force behind what I did. But you also see the other side where guys who they're no longer giving into sin or sexual sin, but then they're binging their flesh in another way. And we've seen that. And then so it's like, okay, That's a hard issue. You know, yep. that's where you can maybe not have your sexual sin, yep. but you're still in that same flow. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming in. I think there's a lot of wisdom here. I think there's a lot of testimony. I think there's a lot of challenge, but also a lot of hope that people can really change. And I would just encourage anyone who's listening or watching to like watch this multiple times because there's mm-hmm. a lot here. And this is really 
I think really the dividing line between people who make it and people who don't are those who listen to stuff like this and actually do something about Mm -hmm. it, you know, in the strength of the Lord. Really take it to heart. It's not just more information. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. in my daily life, I have to actually walk this Mm -hmm. stuff out. Mm -hmm. I have to repent. I have to not live by my feelings. Mm -hmm. I have to confront the fear of man or my undiscipline or whatever. And people who do that are just going to see freedom start to come forth. That's right. To end today's show, I want you to hear a story that Chris Hurley, one of our counselors, told to our students in chapel one night. We headed in a little 36-foot sailboat out of Gloucester. We were heading south. We were going to Virginia. And the wind was blowing from the southwest right into our face. And I don't know of how many of you know anything about sailing, but you tack. You can't go straight into the wind. You have to tack back and forth and back and forth, going sort of in the direction you want to go. And it takes a long time. And we were in a six or eight foot chop, which means a wave was coming every 10 seconds. It was so rough outside, we decided to go into Boston Harbor and head inside in the Cape Cod Canal instead of going out around Cape Cod and off that way. And literally the boat would, the water would come under the hull and we'd smash down into the trough and lift up and smash down into the trough. This is a small boat, sturdy, but small. And so literally our teeth were getting jarred and we did this for eight hours back and forth and we made about six miles in the direction that we were headed. And that was my life with God. I fought every inch of the way. I thought I knew him. I was in church. I was doing all the churchy things. My interior world was wretched, black, sinful, selfish. I was fighting and making no headway. In fact, I was actually regressing and going farther away. And we got so tired, I finally looked at the skipper. I looked at him, I said, something like along the lines, we are being completely stupid to keep doing this. Let's turn around and run with the wind and head off to Provincetown and just spend the night until this passes by. And he was like, no, we have to make it. And it's 9, 10 at night, and we're going into a channel that has six, 700-foot freighters and very little space, maybe 20 feet on each side of our boat. It's basically a two-lane highway for big ships. And I'm like, what's the rush? Come on, I'm tired. I'm beaten. My, I hurt. That was my posture to God. Why are you doing this? Why is everything so hard? Why am I having such a hard time with you? I just want my sin and you. What's so bad about that? But he refused. He refused to let off the chop. He, he wouldn't make it easy on me. He just made it harder. So finally we turn because everybody's like, I'm not doing this anymore. There's a rebellion, we're taking over, and we turn the wheel. And when you go downwind and the wind is basically pushing you, it's flat calm, it's peaceful, and you fly. The only time I really stopped fighting was when I came here. And it took months. I would go down at 11 or 12 o'clock at night to the prayer trail all the way down to the little racetrack. And I would scream out to God, I would scream because I knew there would be nobody to hear me. I was so angry with him. 
for having to bring me here and do what he was doing, taking me away from my family. I was blaming him for everything. And I was just down there bawling and saying, why is everything so hard? And finally, it was like, you know, hits me with a tree trunk. I'm very dense. And he said, I'm not fighting you. You're fighting me. And I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all. I thought, you know, why is he doing this to me? I was blaming him for everything, for all of it. Why I'm in this mess, why my wife doesn't want me anymore, why my daughter doesn't care if I stay or go. No, he said, you've been fighting me for 20 years saying you were mine and you never knew me. And I've just put wave after wave to try and stop you. And you just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And you wouldn't relent of your sin. You would not stop until I came here. Right. And then I just finally said, okay, I'm throwing away 20 years of life. I'm just going to let it go. It, it was meaningless in the first place. It never helped me. And so let's start fresh, Lord. And gosh, it became so easy when I just, I basically, like it says in 1 Peter, like newborn babes long for the pure spiritual milk. That's all I wanted from him. Make your word fresh to me. I'm gonna lay down, forget it, I can't beat you. You know, Jacob, he just touches my thigh, bang. You know, I just gave up. And I didn't realize I'd been fighting him all this time. You know, but it was, it was all me. I was the problem from the beginning to the end. And once I relented, once I let go, he was so gentle. He was just so gentle. The words started popping, you know. I, I started having real conversations with my counselor about how great God was. I started to see his goodness, you know, that he was never out to kill me. He was just waiting for me to quit. When I came to the end of myself, like the prodigal, and I turned back and went downwind and just ran to him. He was always, he had always been there ready to take me with his arms wide open. So guys, if you're fighting, if everything is a struggle, realize he's not the one fighting against you. You are still resisting him. Don't. As you've heard over and over and over again, he's good. He's just waiting for you to crumble and say, I don't have it. And then he'll just pick you up and carry you along. You know, that's his desire for you. And I'm living proof, you know, even at my age, I can now rest in the Lord. As I was listening to what Chris shared, and as I thought about the overall theme of these two shows, here's what hit me. The consequences of sexual sin can be very painful, and they can do great damage to our lives. And so, there are very strong motivations to find freedom from sexual sin. But what often happens is we pick and we choose what sins we want God to help us with rather than surrendering all the aspects of our life to him. And so, like Chris, we end up fighting God, just plowing headlong into the wind, but we're not getting anywhere. The call in this show is to realize that God wants all of us, not just part. And the call is to begin to submit and repent in many different areas, whether that be self-pity or self-righteousness, covetousness, vanity, worldliness, etc. As we surrender all of us to him, 
as we begin to turn the boat around, so to speak, then the wind of his Holy Spirit will help us to overcome in all of those areas. And yes, even in sexual sin. There's a lot more that I could say along those lines, but I'm just going to leave it there. The point is, the path to freedom from sexual sin is the path of surrender to Jesus. Thanks again for joining us on Purity for Life. We'll see you next week. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.